Hello again, friends, and welcome back. Uh, welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the My Life in Miniatures podcast. I'm your host, John Ashton. Um, and yes, here we are. We're back. Uh, this week, uh, well, this week, as if this is weekly anymore. Um, as I mentioned a little while ago, I uh, took a bit of a hiatus from Season 3 because... Uh, I was having a baby, or rather my partner was having a baby, and, um, well, we were having a baby, and the baby has now been had. Uh, she's doing very well. Uh, hello, Tabitha, if you ever listen to this. Um, this is the one I recorded after you were born. Uh, but that's where I've been, and everything's going well, and everything's fun, um, but it has, of course, eaten into my my time, and that's why uh, this has come a little bit, a little bit later. Uh, yeah, who have we got for you today? We've got Andy Wardle, uh, the... Um, I don't know, Golden Demon Fixture, one of the members of Cult of Paint. We had a great chat on the phone, uh, not on the phone, over the computer. Uh, what am I, an old person? Phone? <laughs> Who talks on a phone anymore? Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, this is also, you can tell I'm a bit rusty. Uh, I've been fiddling around with my microphone for a while because that wasn't working properly, but it seems to be working now. Great. Um, I've lost all the old episodes because the hard drive I was using has decided to brick itself, so... Um, they're all still there on uh, iTunes and Spotify and Audible and all those places um, where you can listen to this. And, of course, on heresyandheroes.com, my uh, aged and still oddly popular blog, um, for which I'm very thankful in this uh, age where everyone seems to have five-second attention spans that people still read a long-form thing like a blog. So that's wonderful. Very happy with that. Uh, yeah, we'll get on to uh, my chat with Andy first. Um also, I want to uh, talk a little bit to you about Leviathan and 10th edition, which is out, because Games Workshop were very nice, they were lovely, they sent me uh, a review copy of it, but because of the baby and stuff and all of that going on, I just have not had the time to really get into it. Painted one thing from it, uh, I've started another thing from it, um, I can confirm the miniatures are great, I'll, I'll tell you about them briefly now. Uh, the Tyranid side of the box is amazing. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. I think if you're a Tyranid player, you've got to love that. Every single model is just fantastic. The Screamer Killer is monstrous. The Psychophage is weird and gribbly. And even all the way down to the little the little gribbly chappies, the Gaunts, they're really nice. You, you, when you see them on the sprue, you just like, oh, I'd quite like to, yeah. I'd get into that. In the same way that the last box, Indomitus, got me into Necrons, I could see myself getting into Tyranids. And that's why I painted uh, the winged Tyranid Prime, whose name I can never remember. And I know the words that are in it, but I never get them in the right order. And, um, yeah, he's on my Instagram, which is, of course, my underscore life underscore in underscore miniatures, uh, which you can find it there. And I will try and do a proper write-up about him and get him on the blog. So, honestly, I've got, like... Four or five half-started long-form articles for the blog that I just I have not had the time because nappies and formula and all of that stuff. And yeah, there we go. But yeah, so if you're a Tyranid player, I think that side of the box is awesome. As a Space Marine fan, I wasn't quite as hot on the Space Marine side of the box. And I'll give you my reasonings here. Terminators are always cool, right? So are Sterngar, but Terminators especially, super cool. My one ever so slight minor teeny tiny disappointment with that side of the box is 
I've really enjoyed the last two big boxes because we've seen the new Primaris stuff, right? We've been given a, some new things to play with. You know, we've got the, if you think back to the Indomitus box, you had the Blade Guard veterans and we had the guys with the melter guns and the new bikers, the new sort of arrows. And I know you could say, well, Space Marines have had bikers for ages. Yeah, but outriders are different, they're better and they're bigger and all that stuff. And they've always been different units. You know, go back to the box before that. You, I can't remember the names of any of those. I don't know why I'm going to try and do that but so terminators and stone guard just didn't excite me they're cool they look really awesome the models are fantastic but i don't know it just didn't spark my enthusiasm like the previous boxes had um like i feel i could just go out and buy some terminators you know what i mean whereas i felt this box was an excuse to do something brand new and I, there's a hint that that's what they were going for because the lieutenant in that box really doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the box, if you know what I mean. He looks like he's been in the jungles of this planet killing Tyranids for years and everyone else has just turned up yesterday. And I don't know, he, a little bit jarring, that bit. But the rule book's really cool. Um, what's weird is that there was no force organisation chart and that's been in the rule book since, what, third edition? I can't, I'm trying to remember if it was in second edition. I don't think it was, but yeah, we've had it for all that time and now it's not there which is odd um but yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing where that goes and how that goes and the indexes and codexes that come out and i think it's going to be more like aos and you're going to have sort of things you can put together detachment style things and um but we'll see we'll see but yeah so that my review is it's an awesome box tyranids especially space marines Pretty cool, but I think could have been cooler. But there you go. And um, yeah, I'm really I've been focusing on Necromunda. What little hobby time I've had has been focused on Necromunda. And I am waiting. See, this is the annoying thing about, for me, the Leviathan release. Those, I think, they, what are they called? Sanctioner Pattern Automata. They're the police robots for Necromunda. Really need one to finish off this big, weird thing I'm working on. And you can't get them anymore. Well, you can. They're temporarily out of stock. They haven't gone out of stock or anything like that. But I'm guessing that all of the presses at GW are being used to make Leviathan boxes um, because of the, there's always going to be those complaints to the people who didn't get them. So they're probably trying to make as many as they can possibly make. But yeah, I've just been waiting since before Warhammer Fest for that to come back in, in stock because it's the last piece of the puzzle. <sighs> but there you go. Um enough of my waffle as i said leviathan's cool buy it it's, it's excellent um but today we're here to talk to andy wardle or in actual fact it was uh, several days ago andy and i had a chance to uh, sit and chat for an hour or so and um he was wonderful of course he always is um he is of course uh, a fixture of the golden demon uh, painting competition scene and in fact the wider painting competition scene as well a uh, couple of Slayer Swords to his name, and uh, one of the members of Cult of Paint. And as you know, we here at My Life in Miniatures are contractually obliged to have someone from Cult of Paint on every season. So Andy is doing season three. Uh, he was excellent to talk to. I will tell you where to find him, actually. I'm sure you already know where to find someone as talented as Andy Wardle. But if you don't, go onto YouTube or Instagram and search for Cult of Paint. Um, you can also go on to Patreon, uh, there's a Cult of Paint Patreon there where you get some exclusive extra bits and pieces if you support them. 
there's also the Culture of Paint YouTube channel, which I do always try and watch once a week when it's on, um, where the guys from Cult of Paint have a chat about an aspect of the hobby. It's very informative, it's very fun. They look at some new miniatures, they talk about a subject for a, an hour or so. Well worth your time, highly recommend that one. Uh, and if you want to see Andy Wardle's work specifically, and in fact, most of the stuff that we're going to be talking about uh, in this podcast, go to Instagram and look for Andy Wardle underscore artwork, and you will find plenty of what we're discussing. Uh, of course, you know where to find me. I've already told you that. I'm on heresyandheroes.com and uh, on Instagram, the my underscore life underscore in underscore miniatures uh, thing. But yeah, uh, I think we can kick on with the rest of the program now i think i've done all the bits and pieces i needed to do there so i've been looking forward to saying this i've been looking forward to saying this a lot without any further ado here is my conversation with andy wardle who tells us about his life in miniatures andy hello how are you good john thanks for having me on it's nice oh. to uh just sit and chat hopefully about fun things for yeah, a while. Well. We will we will do that. And it's, you know, I feel like I'm contractually obliged to get someone from Cult of Paint on every season. So uh, you're you're my season three guest. Um had Henry in season one, Matt in season two. So um yeah, we'll we'll continue to work through. Um yes, but not here to listen to me waffle about miniatures. Um uh, no, we are here to listen to me waffle about miniatures. I hope so, Sorry. yeah. <laughs> I'm slightly out of practice. Um haven't done this for a little while, but yes, uh, we're not here to hear Wow, I'm really I'm I'm rusty. This I'll cut this bit out. It's fine. Um, yes. Anyway, Andy, we're here to talk to you about your life in miniatures, um, and I suppose we should start off with um, what was your first miniature and how did you get into it? Well, I um, I got good clear memories of it actually, but uh, my my granddad was um, in World War Two and he was a a pilot. So the he used to like getting me um, aircraft. He'd be like, "Oh, I flew this aircraft. Here's a model of it," sort of thing. Cool. And I'd be yeah. like, "Be like, oh, that's cool." Um, so I used to do those with my dad and stuff. And then I remember going into a, um, you know, just a, a normal toy shop um, in my town. I didn't have Games Workshop in my town, uh, mm. but then I saw on the shelf next to all the all the aeroplanes this Space Marine bike. And uh, 10 year old me in 90, maybe 96, something like that, thought mm. it was absolutely epic. I mean, we can look at that bike now and uh, it looks pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I was, just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I think mm -hmm. a few weeks later, I got it for a, a gift. Um, so yeah, that'd be, I guess, you know, my first miniatures would be like, uh, yeah, the airfix stuff. But I think that Space Marine bike. Uh, being my first Warhammer Mini is kind of what got me obsessed, if you will, and still doing it now. Because I don't think I'd be doing, if I just stuck to Airfix kits, I would have stopped for sure. But yeah. uh, I guess Warhammer stuff's got more depth to it, right, in my opinion, um, or something, some kind of draw to keep you going. So I think if I hadn't picked up that Marine bike, uh, I wouldn't be doing it now. Yes, and given that you had those Airfix kits, uh, were the, that space ring bike was it treated to humbrol paints and um enamels and things like that <laughs> yeah it was um i think i remember 
I didn't do a too bad a job actually, but um, I think I left it at a friend's house and he like painted over the top of what I painted. Yeah. And I remember, I remember the mums like arguing about it, like oh, <laughs> your, 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 your kid shouldn't just paint over his thing. Mm. Uh, got vague memories of that, but yeah, uh, I've still got not the box from when I bought it, but someone uh, someone heard the sort of story that uh, that was my first mini, and they got me the the correct packaging so i've got that on my shelf my first mini with the uh it's blue with the red and yellow logo which for me is the 40k logo is the red and yellow oh yeah absolutely i've got the old um the predator box when it was like a hybrid metal plastic one that came out and um, yeah i've got that box and yes that's getting mounted on the wall at some point because it's um yeah they just those boxes just look fantastic i know i've been trying to pick up a, a space marine strike force um from that era and they're just so much on ebay that i I wish i kept one from the time you know yeah i'm just wondering because you had that with the space marine bike for me it was seeing probably the noise marine first time with his the jez goodwin old one with the guitar Mm. it's that weird thing where it's like if you have a space marine doing something you recognize like either riding a motorcycle or playing a guitar this all sounds very John Blanche inspired me, Mr. Someone who uh, often wrote his motorcycles games workshop and, and I'm sure dabbled with a guitar at some point. Um, Guitars or bikes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm trying to wonder if there are any others, but it, when you picked that up all those years ago, were you immediately were you into the lore and and the sort of stories about Warhammer as well, or did that take a little bit longer? I um kind of i have to defend myself a little bit because uh i'm not that into books yeah but um and i always get sort of scoffed at for that but i realize from what i like in films and video games that i'm uh audio and visually kind of driven Mm. to stuff so the things that resonate with me or, or always stay in my mind are things that have amazing music so um any studio ghibli stuff uh, films like that it's always the soundtracks and mm-hmm. it's the and the art style and the same with the video games I like like the Zelda games and they're the same things from uh, those animated films those games but what I always think about or why I like them is actually not the story it's the visual and the and the audio so I'm always putting those things so mm-hmm. um, yeah that, I guess that's why I've never been super into books and reading I'll I do like to know some of the background, but everything I like in the hobby is is kind of visual, really. And if there's a character I really like, then I do like to to read and understand them. But uh, I'm not going to read all the heresy books, to be honest. No, I I'd, 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 I'd rather get visions of heresy. So yeah, <laughs> good, look. very good call. Yes, yes. Now, um, obviously, this is when you were a lot younger. Um, I remember talking to henry about this the the hobby sabbatical or what i used to call the girls and rugby break i had two i had two sabbaticals okay <laughs> when did you decide to come back um and like i suppose in the when was the start of what you were doing now that sort of the last time you returned yeah so yeah there's three distinct eras of my hobby journey but yeah i did it when i was young and that was in primary school so that you know first kiddie school and then I remember I I went to um uh secondary school or high school whatever you want to call it but the big boys school 
and I was still into Warhammer. And then, yeah, you know, <laughs> that was just like, oh, I'm getting bullied for this. I'll change what I'm doing sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess I changed to big school and I stopped. And uh, and when I was 18, I uh, went to university and uh, I met a couple of people and it just kind of came up like, oh, do you remember doing that when you were a kid? Warhammer, blah, blah, blah. So a couple people I made friends with, we decided to have a, a little go at doing some uh, Warhammer. So I did that age 18 um till about maybe 20 or 21 just like a little stint mm. um so i stopped again and then i got back into it 2013 the very end of 2013 yeah. uh, and i haven't haven't stopped since then so in 2013 i was working i was actually working split shifts so i could be working from sort of six till about 10 in the morning and then be free 10 till four or five or something crazy. So yeah. I'd be like, cool, I've got all this free time. What should I do? And that's what made me pick up the hobby again, actually was being on these weird split shifts. And, uh, but I really changed my, what I wanted to do the hobby for. So when I got back into it that third time, I really wanted to paint one-off minis as good as I can. Whereas when I was doing it at 18, uh, I was doing like an army, uh, yeah. and I was, pl and I was gaming and stuff like that, but it was always trying to do like those big armies. But that third time I was thinking, no, I'll just paint one mini really well next model, that sort of thing. Yeah. Nice. Oh, well, and that's worked out quite well for you. Uh, we'll get on to some of your accolades and awards a little bit later, but yeah, it's, um, there's quite, um, uh, it's a, it's a mentality. I suppose I haven't, come across too much outside of the people whose names i now associate with you know doing very well at things like golden demon um was it was it were competitions what you were going for or was it just the sense of self-satisfaction in terms of doing something you were really really proud of it's it's both um i always loved golden demon i think i think my dad took me to games day I can't remember what year, maybe it was 2000 or maybe it was 99, maybe 98, early anyway. Um, yeah. I think I went to a couple when I was a kid, um, which was awesome. And obviously saw Golden Demon, was aware of it. And then 2006, uh, I uh, was looking at all the Golden Demons and stuff and I was very much aware and I was looking into everything that won. So I was always keeping up with it. And then yeah. when I got back into it, you know, in, in my gap, I sort of caught up and saw what's won in the last four years. Um, so I was always looking at Golden Demon, always cared about it, but I never entered. And I guess when I got back into it, it was like, why don't I finally have a go at that? Because obviously it was kind of ingrained in me. Uh, and I had a love for Golden Demon, even though I'd never done it. I, I'd been aware of it at the time for, uh, I don't know, 15 years or whatever it was. So, yeah, I was intending to enter uh that was kind of my end goal but it was like oh let's just yeah let's just try and get better at painting and enjoy having something nice on the shelf you know nice great okay well let's talk about something nice on the shelf which i'm gonna guess is from the the modern era of andy wardle um yeah. uh your first one and you're gonna have to tell me about this because i was combing through your instagram and i couldn't spot it um isolated girl in the tree yeah um, show me pinned. about this one <laughs> <laughs> i think it was pinned pinned to my uh, oh, uh instagram so uh, i think i've unpinned it now but yeah. uh so yeah. it didn't get lost with the warhammer stuff yeah. um 
but yeah, that one, that one's definitely special to me because I think it's the first, I think it was a bit more creative. Um, so it's a miniature from Nocturna. Uh, it's not really converted, but she's sort of holding herself, got some hair hanging down and it comes on like this ring of fire, but I prefer sort of the woodland aesthetic. So I wanted to put her in a big tree uh, and she looks kind of, yeah, very like lonely and stuff like that. And I've got all these roots that are coming up and, and dragging her down. So I guess without wanting to sound too, uh, I don't know, I'm trying, trying to think of a word that isn't swearing, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I wanted, I wanted to do something a bit more emotional, I guess. Um, yeah. and it was, it was during the first sort of COVID period I, I made that. And, um, yeah, I was just really happy with the idea and, uh, yeah, I just pulled it off really well. And that's something I haven't actually gone back to, but I do want to start to do more pieces that I know provoke some more thought and things like that. But, um, I think that's quite difficult with Warhammer miniatures actually. Yes, I think you're right. Um, they, they lend themselves more to big superheroes in armor, um, more than, um, prompting thought, uh, particularly. Although you've picked a, a couple on, on this list, which maybe do a little bit, um, more, uh, prompting that thought, uh, process. I mean, how did you, so I'm just fascinated with this question with everyone at the moment. When we all went through COVID, it was, um, horrible and bleak and miserable. How did your how did that affect your hobby? Because for me, I completely stopped for a while, which I now look back on with great regret. But and I've spoken to other people who just like, oh, I couldn't concentrate on it. I was too worried about stuff. And other people who painted army after army um quite happily to pass the time. How did you how did it affect your your painting? I uh I remember in the sort of first weeks, you know, and I I I worked a lot before COVID sort of up early all day, quite intense. Um, mm. So I remember the first couple of weeks I sort of chilled out, got up late, maybe played some games and just, yeah, just really relaxed. And I remember feeling absolutely awful um, through not being like productive. So I changed my routine and even though I had no reason to get up, I got up and exercised um, early and that was really important for getting through COVID for me. And I mm. kind of, expended my energy in the morning and then was refreshed and that actually allowed me to to sit and focus on painting because I kind of got rid of some energy um and then I decided to put a lot of energy into painting and I was really pleased because the pieces I did over covid there was no there was no motivation for competitions or something like that this sort of taught me that oh no I really do just want to paint things for my own personal satisfaction and i painted um i painted a bust um from i think it's life miniatures i think it's basically a ripoff of the last of us so it's a girl holding a a puppy and there's some yeah. zombie ha hands and stuff uh but that's probably the best uh, face i'd done on a bust and i made some nice like progress in that so i focused and um yeah i think that being honest, probably benefited from COVID in the long run. And I think through, you know, going through all that difficulty um, mentality wise, just, you know, you kind of appreciate things a lot more. It also allowed me to do things I never would have had time to do, which was basically learn to edit videos. I'm a very impatient person, especially when it comes to computers and things okay. like that. And I think people associate, you know, oh, you do a geeky hobby. 
And they're like, you know, people are like, oh, can you fix my computer? And I'm like, just because I paint <laughs> Warhammer, like I can barely turn mine on. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that as well. Yeah, it's, um, I, I get it more because I work in digital marketing. But yes, people will say, oh, can you build my website for me? It's like, I don't, I can't build your website. I, you yeah, know. exactly. It's that yeah. association, right? It's like, I like, I like geeky stuff, but not, you know, yeah. <laughs> not, not that cliche. Yeah. Um, but I hated editing videos at the start because it just took so long. And, and luckily I've got that faster now, so it's not too bad, but there's no way I would have been able to do YouTube and things like that whilst keeping my normal job, certainly to learn the skills. Cause now I'm back to normal and, and working. Then I, you know, it doesn't take me so long to do a video, but there's no way I would have stuck it out if I had my normal routine, but I had all day to learn. So it would take me a whole day to make a video, whereas now I can do it uh, in an evening after work. So um, mm. I think retrospectively, even though it was horrible and obviously I wish it didn't happen, I think it's probably benefited me in the long run, uh, even just being grateful for stuff. And even now if I go to like a gig or something, um or i can't remember where i was the other day with loads of people around and i was thinking it wasn't long ago where we were dreaming of this and you kind of got to still be grateful for that even warhammer fest actually warhammer fest you know a lot of people were moaning saying there was nothing to do i was like this is brilliant we're meeting everyone and we're having a great time and i'm having a no i'd say a pint but that's a lie having a cocktail with a (laughs) with a (laughs) an umbrella and and nice. this is lovely. Excellent. <laughs> Keeping it classy. No, that's good. Well, Always. I'm glad you, you found it both useful and reaffirming then. That's that's very good. Um, right, I'm going to spring a surprise on you uh, in terms of the miniatures that we're talking about today because it's something I want to talk to you about because it's actually probably the first time you and I ever had a chat about anything. And um, uh, this is long before COVID. Um, this is back at, a, I think it was the Horace Heresy and Necromunda Weekender. Yeah. Um I want to ask about your Magnus the Red. Yeah. That's quite I for a long time I thought that was just the most impressive miniature. And I'm not just trying to blow smoke and, you know, be overly complimentary, but I remember looking at it and thinking I would, you know, that's the sort of thing I would like to be able to do one day. Like that's what I'd like to aim for. And you there's so many things like that, that wonderful pink glow that you've got coming out of the hand and and where do you start on a miniature like that? Uh, you know, a big sort of centerpiece miniature and, and how do you decide what sort of effects to add to it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Magnus is an interesting one for me because there's stuff I really like about that mini still and stuff I really don't. Mm. And that obviously comes with uh, development. I think that was 20, is it 20, 2018, I think not yeah. 2016, yeah, 2018. But it's still uh, still five years old, which is kind of crazy. Mm. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on depends on your way of working. But often for me, I think about what's the biggest challenge, what's the biggest hurdle. Mm. Um, often it's the face, and um, I kind of I say this to other people, and I always think, well, if I can't do the eyes, I can't do the mini. Um, and so I, I like to start off with the hardest thing. Like if there's something you're really comfortable with, then yeah, maybe you could start with that to get into the flow. But yeah. if there's something I'm worried about, I kind of need to do that because otherwise it's in the back of your mind. And if you can't pull off one thing, then how can you, um, 
yeah, how can you do it all right? So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's a challenge. Um, but for Magnus, obviously, it was the kind of the gold. And I was I just went straight in on the gold to get the, the idea because it's a dominating thing for him. But where there's Elrond, a more recent miniature, he's Lord of the Rings. He's absolutely tiny. And I knew if I couldn't do the the face, specifically the eyes, to be honest, then yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't bother re- with the rest of the mini. So I guess yeah, I like to pull off the biggest challenge, and then hopefully it gets uh, easier from then on in. Yeah. Now I've heard tell of your um, starting with the eyes uh, approach before, which seems like madness to to me. But has there is there ever a time where you, you get the eyes perfectly and then a great big splodge of flesh tone goes straight onto one of them when you're painting like around the eyes or anything like that <laughs> no but i have okay. like i have done stuff really well and then absolutely screwed up the thing i thought i'd be comfortable with no, no. Uh, but no i kind of um i start messy on faces you know like a few guide washes and then i kind of work outwards or whatever so once i've done the eyes i probably don't need to go near them so I think through a lot of experience and I've messed up so many minis that a lot of the things I come up with are strategies to not mess up basically, you know? Yeah. Good. I like it. Well, yes, it's, um, yeah, if I, I will, I need to learn those strategies, but, um, yeah. So that, cause that one, the Magnus, did he win you? Cause that was a mini demon, wasn't it? Or, or, or were being called mini demons at the time, which I don't think is fair because the standards were still exceptionally high multiple demons per year <laughs> yes that was it yeah. yeah um yeah that did you get the slayer sword at that one for that yeah i did yeah yes, yeah yes. well it was well deserved because i well yes i i thought it was excellent um just just for the the record on this podcast um what is your slayer sword count at the moment you two two, two. Yeah. yeah so i did the ultramarines fell blade um yeah. with a load of freehand on it which is funny because i wouldn't i won't do a mini like that ever again okay. um and then magnus uh the red so those two so one tank and one person so mm. nice to get a bit of diversity absolutely is yes right now let's go on to some of your choices um you talked about miniatures that give off a sort of um that mix a bit more with emotions and this is one of the ones that I think from Games Workshop actually does that in a in a very warhammery sort of way. Um, tell me about Glutos. Yeah, Glutos. Um, I had uh, had that idea about a year before I started it, but yeah. I love I love the um, the look of someone just sat in a throne. You know, mm-hmm. um, thinking about the Boba Fett TV show poster. You know, when he's just sat on Jabba's throne. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I really like that kind of pose uh, because you can paint a lot of dramatic light and do, yeah, just make something epic, I think. Um, and talking about Warhammer stuff in in particular, um, do you remember Lan's Nagash sat on the throne? And yes. just seeing, yes. seeing Nagash actually in a throne room kind of made it more epic and it powerful did. than stood up, to be honest. Yes, you can almost imagine him sat there plotting and scheming, whereas I think with Glutos, he's probably imagining what he's going to pick off the all-you-can-eat menu. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing that miniature, which is obviously in the big go-kart, and, yeah. uh, and I extracted him out of that. And I just saw that and thought, is there a good miniature hidden in there 
And I remember just looking online, looking at the 360 on the website and going, I think I can turn that into a single figure. And I ordered it, came in the post, and I put it together very quickly um, just to see if the idea worked. And I sort of cut out his central throne and put it on a plinth. And it's a very circular, um, sort of the center of it is very circular. And it was almost perfect for a, a 60 mil kind of plinth which isn't too crazy for a single miniature. Um, and I thought, yeah, that's going to work. That's super cool. But I did leave that for a while. I bought the miniature, built it, sort of proof of concept. Yep, yeah, that'll be a great entry. And then I just left it on my messy desk, which uh, you won't be able to see, but all behind <laughs> me is all my sort of work in progress. This might be a project one day kind nice. of thing. Nice, excellent. Well, and I think with that one, what I really liked about it was because he has got that sort of you know it's them playing with the idea that Sonesh is not just about sex drugs and rock and roll I think in in recent releases they've done quite well at looking Maybe at some of the well. other deadly sins as, yeah and, and gluttony in this case with with Glutos and I think what I really liked about your interpretation of it was there's something in the face where you can just uh, it's not quite hunger but it's sort of like you know there's a sort of satisfied look to him where he's sort of he's maybe he's full but he i don't know maybe he knows he's going to be hungry again maybe i'm seeing something that isn't there what part of it are you most proud of uh with that miniature i think the um i think the you know him himself um the the chair he sat on i needed more time on so there's things i'm not satisfied with that but i think i gave enough time for the miniature itself maybe one more week and it would have been a tiny bit better but diminishing returns mm. um but i focus a lot on improving my technique i try not to be complacent and um you know i wanted to do really dramatic shadows on the skin and i wanted to do really silky looking trousers and uh i sort of thought how how can i achieve that um and Sometimes I paint things and it goes really wrong, but the the trousers came out so well and they really didn't take, they didn't take a crazy amount of time. Um, often things take me ages because I've done it wrong and I'm changing it, but mm. they just, they just kind of flowed well. Um, and they're the thing I probably get commented on the most on that miniature, just the, uh, the impact of those. And it was kind of the way I did them. I, was a very different approach to normal and it was successful. So I was like, that's cool. I'll use that kind of, I don't know, wouldn't like to call it a technique process, uh, the process for painting those. I'll use that again. Cause that, that was great. Yeah. It's nice. You definitely caught the, the sheen that comes with silk. I think on those, that's, um, yes, yeah, very, very high contrast and very, um, yes, that, that purple sort of pinky purple really hits you as, as well. That's, that's very good. Um, now you mentioned uh this character briefly earlier. We'll talk about your interpretation of him now, uh, Elrond and Lord of the Rings, which seems to have become the hottest category in Golden Demon these days. Um much to my chagrin when I tried to win with a Hobbit a little while ago and didn't go very well mm -hmm. at all. Um but your Elrond uh, did you very proud and um yes, how how, did, how was it painting Elrond? Um, you know, uh, this is another thing I get stick for not reading books and not being that into Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, but, but like Lord of the Rings kind of passed me by a little bit. Yeah. And all I, all I mean by that is when the films came out in the cinema, 
I wasn't into geeky stuff, so I didn't go see the films when right. they were current. And I didn't read the books because I don't read books. Oh, I'm just coming across so badly. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of hate from people, um, but just being honest. But yeah, so Lord of the Rings, I was like, yeah, it's cool. But I didn't have the same love for it as other IPs. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's things I really love, but Lord of the Rings, I was like, yeah, it's, it's a cool IP, but I don't love it yet as much as uh, some people do. But uh, I do love uh elves and uh i really like lord of the rings elves i think they're some of the coolest i kind of wish they were larger scale yeah um because i think if they were 54 or 75 mil lord of the rings minis i'd paint a lot of them um oh, but yeah. anyway when elrond came out it was just one of the best mounted miniatures i think games workshop have ever made i think oh, yeah, the the posing of the horse, um, the quality of the miniature, uh, because for me, 15, 20 years ago, uh, Lord of the Rings miniatures, you know, the quality is was fine, but it wasn't, wasn't amazing to be honest. So I didn't really want to paint them, but, uh, you know, the metal Elrond in comparison to this one is, is night and day, but yeah, the quality of the miniature and how good it was. And, and to be honest, it's just a, a fantastic elf on a horse. That's really what got it to me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't love Elrond as a character. He's cool, but it's really how well it was sculpted that that drew me to that figure. Yeah, fair enough. So, what is what is it with you and elves? Because you really do like elves a lot, don't you? Why why do elves speak to you uh, in in this certain way? Um. Probably because they're the opposite of me, tall and elegant, grace, <laughs> grace, graceful. Uh, oh don't, don't want to paint dwarfs. It's um, yeah, too too close to home. But uh, <laughs> no. I guess honestly, yeah, like I said, like there's IPs I love, and that's really um, yeah, Studio Ghibli films or Ghibli apparently is supposed to say it. Uh, mm. Princess Princess Mononoke and Zelda are basically my two things I love. Cool. Um, okay. both both of those have amazing music i love okay. the characters i love like the weapon designs um the environment designs so it's yeah it's those things really um so when when i was young and doing warhammer got my space marine bike but for fantasy i loved zelda so i loved the wood elves right. and okay. also i basically lived in the forest uh, in the countryside growing up. So it was wood elves all the way. Mm. And then from, from wood elves, it was high elves as well. And I just, yeah, I always loved those early days, but I think it, it did kind of, it's quite obvious. It really did go. I like Zelda. I like wood elves. Now I like elves forever. <laughs> so, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, I tend to stick aside, to stuff. Are you enjoying the new tears of the kingdom game? uh yeah uh way too hard it's it's i'm still do, i'm still doing some good painting but i am really grateful it came out a week or two after the uh the two golden demons otherwise yes. there's no way um no. but but yeah it's fantastic and when i play tears of the kingdom it makes me want to paint miniatures and it makes me want to you know there's some um there's some cherry blossom trees in that game and yeah. it just ma makes me want to do something with a cherry blossom and stuff like that so yeah video games and and uh and films like mononoke really drive me to um 
to make miniatures uh, for Cult of Paint and also just my painting projects in general. Yeah, nice. Uh, they don't, no one makes a Zelda miniatures range, do they? I mean, I know you can get Amiibos and things like that, but... Uh... I've seen there's a company, and I don't know how they're getting away with it, but right. they're just they're just sculpting it and selling it, and it's definitely not licensed. <laughs> so, right. um, okay. but weirdly, I don't want a, a Zelda miniature um, mm. because I think they're like quite cartoony, and I love the cell shaded look. Yeah, yeah. But but in a miniature, actually, I want a realistic sculpt. So for me, they don't really align because if you have like Link sculpted really realistically, I'd be I don't know kind of weird. So I kind of like the separation, really. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Well, that's well. Actually, speaking of separation, I asked this question to I, th- I think it was Mamicon when I had him on. Um, when approaching a, a Lord of the Rings miniature, I mean, obviously you're not a fan of Lord of the Rings, but you know what Hugo Weaving looks like, and um, you can Mr. Find, Anderson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you can you can find those stills of the film. Do you try and sort of match the skin tones of the actor, or the the get the sort of how the actor actually looks in the film into your miniature or do you just sort of leave it to the sculpt to try and do that? Um, no, I mean, match the, the skin tone in general. So yeah. I did him, it did him very pale in the skin, but I wanted to paint a lot of light on the horse to have like the horse hair, you know, um, quite shiny and a lot of light in the gold. So that dictated it. So, um, yeah. And he doesn't have, you know a particular skin tone just a pale elf so there's a lot of leeway for that um but yeah i did make the face quite bright quite pale but that's more thinking of the light situation and and keeping the focus on the face because when you've got things like you know the gold on the miniature um i want it still focused to be on the face so if there's a if there's a hierarchy um a visual hierarchy on the mini the face is the the brightest thing in terms of its uh, values and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, really just going for, uh, yeah, a normal Hugo weaving looking skin. Nice. Nice. Didn't fancy giving him dark glasses then just to match him in the matrix or anything. Yeah, that'd be great. I've watched that (laughs) film a lot more times. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, um, now we're going to move on to another one of your favorite miniatures. Um, and, this is, I think, very cool. Um, tell me about the woodsman. Yeah, so it's the it's the cult of paint miniature, and um, it's not anything to do with Orion from the Wood Elves. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I wouldn't, wouldn't <laughs> nothing say to do. Nothing to do with it at all. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that is you know my obsession with all these things we've just talked about. I love Wood Elves. Uh, Mononoke Zelda that kind of fantasy thing and we came to do uh, a fantasy miniature range and yeah we just wanted a a fawn style elf with some enormous antlers so really proud of that miniature in terms of um, design because Henry and I even though we're not sculpting or, or drawing they're really we really direct everything and we're really specific and that really was our idea uh, so Max Fitzgerald does the concepts for those and he does an amazing job and he really did bring that character to life. Um, but yeah, Henry and I are really proud of that range for all the concepts, ideas and just how it how it came out really. Um, and we actually got the box art done by Dave Colwell, who's uh, amazing and his his woodsman is absolutely fantastic. He's got it walking on on water 
and yeah. I wanted to paint one for myself and it's kind of like, well, what, what can I do to make it mine sort of thing? Mm. Um, and I, yeah, just really pushed it on the basing elements, I guess. And I remember there's a picture on my Instagram, but I remember building the base just out of wood and, and putty and constructing that. And as soon as the base was done and I had the miniature in the center, I was already happy because I thought, Ooh. yeah, this is, this is going to be really cool. Um, and I actually spent four weeks on the base and only two on the miniature. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a funny way around, but that, that just brings in my love of basing really. And I think basing is, um, super important to me and I love doing things like that, but yeah, just really happy with, uh, how that model came out. Yeah. Nice. And I mean, I agree. Basing is an underappreciated art form in its own right, but how cool is it to have miniatures with you know the cult of paint logo on it yeah it's it's um it's amazing and actually we are we're getting ready for day of god too at the moment mm. um so yeah that's uh i haven't checked with henry if it's all right to talk about but uh <laughs> right. we, we're getting we're getting we're getting ready for for a new range um and yeah mm. i'm really excited uh i think our best ever miniature is in this this i'd have to look at them all but i think the best miniature we've done is in this one um and yeah it's uh yeah exciting but it takes a long time and yeah. it's really it's really really tough because you get really excited about producing a miniature and then you've mm. got to wait a couple of years and i imagine that's maybe how the gw designers and the heavy metal team feel because a miniature might come out and they painted it three years ago so like, yeah, yeah yeah that old, that old thing kind yeah. of feels a bit like that sometimes i'm sure well yeah i can imagine because yes you had that initial burst of enthusiasm and then it's just a lot of you know sitting around waiting for it to actually manifest into reality and but no that's um incredibly exciting always good to get a, an exclusive do feel free to email me um over the next couple of days if you're not allowed to talk about it and i'll, I'll snip it out of the podcast but um that now, is will be will be grand it's coming it's coming no. <laughs> good good well i've got um uh i've got what's the name leia from the um last day guard range have the, to remember the official names because Henry's oh, right. in, in Henry's in charge of the the cool names. Well, she's uh, the, that's the, the snake snake lady, isn't it? Snake cloak. Uh, yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm sort yeah. of halfway through, and um, yes, then uh, life caught up with me, and um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that out, and that gives me a nice thing to aim for because if there's new ones coming out, I'll get one of those, and I'll get this one I done. I love that. I love that miniature. I really, really want to paint another one, but yeah. that that's the concept art of that i love it's just so cool um and i think the sculpt came out just right but i think that's my favorite miniature we've done so far but i think i think the one of the new ones is at least on par as cool but um nice. yeah henry and i both agree that that's that's the coolest one we've got with that big snake cloak so yeah she's she's pretty wicked um i just yes i sort of learned a new I started painting metallics in a different technique halfway through painting her and sort of like, Oh no, do I go back and redo it or do I do it the way I'm not happy with anymore? And so I might have to repaint <laughs> her from the start, but I will and I'll get it done. And um, yes, looking forward to showing it off one day. Um, so we'll move on from the woodsman to one of your most uh, recent uh, pieces and another triumphant piece as well. Um, tell me a bit about your Necron Lord. Yeah, that's the the freshest. Obviously, I haven't finished a miniature since the Necron Lord. Um, I don't know when when Warhammer Fest was. Now I'm looking at the calendar. Is it a month ago now? 
Yeah, it's about well, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's about a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Necron Lord, I'm really happy with that because of the uh, the reposing, the conversion, and mm-hmm. um, and very often you come up with an idea in your head and it doesn't translate and it doesn't come out as good. Yeah. But that is one of the few pieces where I thought, basically, I thought I'll convert the Silent King, try and make him a single mini, and. I didn't have an exact idea what that would be like. And I think it exceeded my expectation really because things like the res orb, which uh, I put in this hand floating in the hand is such a major part of it. And I didn't have that in it originally. So it just kind of the the way it developed was really, really fun and really, really cool. And um, I knew I wanted to do a paint scheme that wasn't just the standard Necron silver green uh, or gold green now, whatever it is. Um, So, yeah, all those things just went together. Um, And projects do go really wrong for me quite often. Uh, Actually, I started painting the slam, the uh, the frog for uh, Seraphon, and that's not that didn't go well at all. So I benched that project for now. Um, so I'm grateful when something like the Necron Lord actually comes together because I didn't give myself a lot of time. Um, so basically I went to Chicago Adepticon and I did the golden demon there and that's where I brought Glutos and Elrond and, uh, that went really well. And then I came home and there was four weeks between the next golden demon. And I was thinking, you know, do I bother entering blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I had the Necron Lord partly converted um before i'd uh went to chicago but i thought right let's just go for it let's just because it's horrible going to well for me anyway it's horrible going to um a show and and not being in it participating because everyone's like what have you brought and you're like nothing and uh (laughs) even if i brought something okay i was like i'll bring something and uh to be honest, I had such a fun time uh, in Adepticon. I was riding that high and, and loving it and thought, yeah, let's do another entry. Um, and so my friends were like, why are you doing an entry straight away? And it was like, well, I've got to do content for Patreon, YouTube, so why not do an entry? Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, as soon as The Silent King came out three years ago, I think I bought it and was like, I want to make this a single mini. And, uh, yeah, it took a – just like Glutos um, – it took a while to actually get around to doing it. I think you have to let ideas brew for a while, but I really, I really was inspired by the old metal Necron Lords. And I preferred yeah. it when they had a uh, real cloth on them because the cloth is obviously mm. worn out with holes in really tatty. And that made them feel more ancient, you know, whether it's the new ones, they've got all the, um, like the metal, I don't know what you'd call it, but the, the cloaks are made yes. of like different metal parts and it yeah, feels it's like Micron chain mail, isn't it? That's, uh, that's it. Scale mail, yeah. Feels like they've done that to make it easy to, I don't know, stick a wash on it and dry brush or something. Could be. Um, but I just wanted it to look like a, yeah, really tatty old um, Necron cloak. And it was one of those things where I built the, I built the miniature, so I reposed the Silent King. And he's very, very tall, which is one reason it appealed to me. But uh, I thought, I wonder if Abaddon's cloak will fit. And my friend sent me Abaddon's cloak in the post. You know, when you just hold a part up to a miniature for a kit bash, and you're like, oh, that's definitely going to work. And it was a lot of work and a lot of sculpting, which I'm not very good at to get it to fit. But it really felt like the perfect cloak for that miniature. And it still surprises me now how well it kind of fits. Um, 
So yeah, just uh, just really happy. And I think I, I won the silver at Golden Demon with it. And um, I was genuinely really surprised. And, um, you know, I think I said somewhere else in, in my video about the Necron Lord, actually, that I don't take those wins lightly. And even though I've won, even though I'd won a month ago, Golden Demon in America, the the UK one was so uh, special and it was so such a high level. Uh, and also just the, um, I don't know if you saw the ceremony, how cool it was. The, I um, was there, yeah. Well, I, I was, yeah. We, were you talking about the Warhammer World one? Warhammer Fest. Oh, uh, Warhammer Fest. No, no, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't make it to that, no, no. So, so the Warhammer Fest one was the coolest ceremony they've done, I think, ever, because they did it in an auditorium with all these seats. It looked nice. fantastic, the big yellow backdrop, proper, yeah. you know, a big screen, so your miniature's actually huge, not and like a little... it actually worked this time? Or... <laughs> it, was a, it was just the presentation you kind of hope for always. And so even if you've won before... Um, you know, I was speaking to Maxime Pernod actually, and when he won his Slayer Sword in 2019, no one was there because everyone had gone home. Yeah. Um, so there, there was just us lot in the corner of an empty warehouse going, yeah, well done, you got the sword. Whereas yeah. this was like, oh, do people actually care about it? And it was it was full and it was busy. And mm. so to win, to win in that environment was, yeah, I was very grateful because, um, yeah, it just, it felt amazing. And um yeah, I just, I just didn't, I didn't know if it was worthy of a win or not. And I think I'm not trying to, um, this isn't supposed to be like a humble brag or, or come across in the wrong way, but I think most people will relate to it, even if they're at different levels. Sometimes you paint a miniature and you don't know if it's good or not, because yeah. you can either be, you know, oh, this is amazing. And maybe it's not, which is, which is bad. Um, but then you can also be like, I think this is terrible and actually it's quite good. And I, I have, I have amazing lights. So I've got all these insanely bright lights yeah. um, and I'm looking at it a millimeter away and you're like, well, that bit's a bit rough and this and that. And sometimes you lose perspective, especially I painted it in three weeks and it was so intense that three weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I th- I remember I had, I had until Friday 6 PM cause that's when I was leaving and I was starting the back of the cloak at 2 PM. Oh, so wow. I, so I had a hard, hard deadline. You have yeah. four hours to finish the back of this cloak and you've got to glue it on the base and you don't have a minute more. And I think I finished at 5.45. Wow. So 15 minutes. I was yeah. like, that's that's grand. Glued it on, checked, sort of touched up a bit of paint where you could see like the glue marks from the feet. And I was like, that's it. So when I went to Golden Demon, um, and it was 40k single mini, which is such a hard category. It's, I genuine, yeah. yeah. I think there was 400 entries, I was told. Um, yeah. But yeah, you just don't know. Um, and, you know, there's people, and Angelo DiCello was in that category and all these people. Yeah. And um, I was like, maybe I've got a shot. I don't know. But maybe, yeah, you know, you yeah. could be anywhere in the top 10 and you could be third, you could be ninth. You just you just don't know. So, um yeah, just going back to what I said, I was just just really grateful for that win. And so that miniature um, is actually kind of special to me because um, it came out well and I'm really happy with it. Um, and I, 
I'm still shocked I managed to to get a win. So I, I guess I'm quite proud of that, and it helped a lot with my confidence. Because even if you even if you've won some awards, depending on your personality type, because some people I don't know might be the other way, but I I never get complacent, and yeah. I never um, never try to get cocky because it's very easy to paint a mediocre miniature, even if you've painted good ones before. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it's it's very impressive. And I think especially, <clears throat> I went to that, the first UK Golden Demon after COVID uh, mm. at, at Warhammer World. And the standard was so mind-blowing across every category. Even the, the category, I mean, I was trying to be cheeky and sort of sneak something and be like, oh, I'll go into the, the categories no one does. You know, the little the little ones that are all really quiet. They they don't exist anymore. They're uh, no, they don't. The standard is just so so high. I think yes, if you you really can't be complacent, and I think um, that Necron Lord. I mean, I just I'm impressed at how smooth you get that metal. I think it's um, amazing. Yes, it's uh, very well done on that. And um, yeah, uh, and at least you weren't, or maybe you were touching up in the bathroom of your hotel room. Um, I wouldn't do that. Like, <laughs> No, no. I've seen some people do that in the past. So, uh, I've well got done. to enjoy the experience because even though we're going to enter competition and stuff like that, over time, and I've I've entered a lot of shows in the past um, nine years, you do realise that um, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, it eventually becomes the people, and mm. um, you know, like going to Adeptcon with Neil and, and Neil and I spent the, we spent the whole weekend together and it was uh, a real laugh. Um, nice. Yeah. We were just, we were having a great time having drinks, whatever, eating loads of really bad junk food. And uh, yeah, then Neil got the Slayer sword at the end. So it was just, uh, you just appreciate those times. And also um, <laughs> without going into too much of a deep dive, but when you're in your thirties, late thirties, forties, it becomes more difficult to go, oh, hey, do you want to go for a pint or do you want to do this? And even more difficult to go, do you want to do a holiday in America? I mean, that's just a no-go. It's like, nah, the wife's never letting me do that. (laughs) But for some reason with the the hobby stuff, it's like, oh, we're going to go to Adepticon and there's no way that, you know, most people's wives are going to be like, now you go ahead and do that on your own. So I think... I think I'm grateful to be able to do the boys trips and even though it's going to do something geeky or whatever, um, I absolutely love it. And Adepticon and Warhammer Fest were uh, such fun trips and um, it's just cool that, you know, the the Golden Demon makes that kind of happen really. So it's cool. Yeah, nice. Well, that's an, a glowing advert for Golden Demon. Thank you. And um, <laughs> uh, I suppose, what, what, have you got another competition? What's the next one on your radar? Um, there is scale model challenge, which I have to give a shout out to. It's in Eindhoven in Europe and it's incredible. And golden demon obviously is the most well-known because it's Warhammer, but I do all of the shows because they all, you know, they have their merits, but scale model challenge is just amazing. Um, there's normally, I think there was, um, around 2000 entries last time. Um, they actually hosted the world model expo last year and I think they had 4,000 minis. So it's actually bigger in terms of volume of figures to golden demon. It just doesn't, it just doesn't get the attention because it's not, um, Warhammer and you can bring your Warhammer 
stuff um mm. but there's no glass cabinets there so you can really see the miniatures yeah. and you're still seeing you're still seeing the best people in the world so um albert moretto font who won the slayer sword he entered um his piece that i think he admits is better than his slayer sword piece which is this dwarf mm-hmm. uh, and that was the world model expo and you can see it without a cabinet under perfect lighting wow. um so I do uh, do have to shout out that show, and there's Monte Santavino as well, but that's um, that's a bit smaller and, and hard to get to. But those two shows I will go to every year because they're both just incredible. Um, but I will enter those, but I'm just going to. I think there's a difference between you know putting everything into something, but I I will bring what I've painted to that, uh, which will hopefully be a new car of paint mini. Uh, but I'm trying not to stress about those competitions and just bring, um, cause I'll be able to bring glue toss and stuff and yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. Nice. Well, excellent. Well, uh, Andy, thank you very much for taking us through your life and miniatures. I've got two questions that I end every one of these interviews with, uh, and they're coming your way right now. What's your favorite paint? Oh, um, cult of paint, dark brown coming soon. <laughs> that was nice, good, excellent. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we haven't had a dark brown, I don't think, but yes, that's good. Um, Rhinox um, hide, basically. If uh, <laughs> yeah, Rhinox hide's my most used paint, I reckon. Yes, I've got the. Um, have you got that spray? I can't remember the name of them now. It's the spray that actually looks like Rhinox hide when you. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> um, and okay, if you could paint any miniature in the world right now it could be one that exists only in your mind or one that you can go and pick off on the shelf tomorrow or 20 years ago what would what would you like to paint next what would be the miniature you'd really like to paint next uh um princess mononoke with the wolves done done in a proper human style uh, well like a realistic style and yeah yeah both of the wolves which are enormous um in large scale so yeah like a foot tall (laughs) (laughs) with the with the forest and everything but yeah something princess mononoke that would yeah that's it i'll end it there keep it concise brilliant well that's a that is a great place to end i'm now rather wishing they did those miniatures as well but um yeah one day one day andy thank you so much for being a guest on my life in miniatures and uh, we'll let you get on with the rest of your day thanks john and a huge, huge thank you to Andy for doing that as well. And it's really nice to be back. Um, I'm not promising uh, these are going to be any more regular than they have been because obviously I still have a baby. She comes first. But as soon as I can get the next episode out, I will. Uh, but just to remind you, if you would like to uh, check out Andy's stuff, if you'd like to see more from him, uh, you can go to uh, the Colts Paint channels on YouTube and on Instagram. There's Andy Wardle underscore artwork on Instagram. That's Andy's stuff specifically and uh yeah there's the cult of paint patreon so yeah there's plenty of ways to see more of andy's work and i'm very very confident that you will see more of his work at upcoming golden demons and world model expos and all the other shows that he attends um he really does excellent work and yeah there you go that's another interview all wrapped up that's uh it's now time for me to do the last bit of waffling actually i do have something i will waffle about briefly i would just like to pay tribute to um someone who retired from games workshop uh, who has been a fixture uh for so many of us 
his artwork has defined Warhammer for so long, and it's uh, you already know who I'm talking about. John Blanche retired. John was an exceptionally kind, friendly, lovely person to work with, and uh, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with his retirement because the man likes to draw, and we will, I'm sure, get more and more of his stuff. I've got Voodoo Forest. I've got Rat Spike somewhere. Uh, I do recommend, if you can get your hands on any of John Blanche's uh, work outside of Warhammer and his Warhammery stuff as well, it's it's exceptional, isn't it? So... Uh, there you go. Just just wanted to say um, to John that, and I'm sure he doesn't listen to this, but I, I really do hope that he enjoys his retirement and uh, has plenty of fun uh, doing whatever he's going to do. Now, as said, no promises as, as to when the next one of these comes out. I think I've got a couple of people who are still interested in doing uh, uh, having a chat with me, doing a chat with me. That would be a weird way of phrasing it. But yeah, so uh, as soon as they say yes to doing it, I will record it, I will edit it, I will put it up. Uh, as always, you can find these on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Audible, Amazon, and you can go to heresyandheroes.com. I know I don't need to say it every time, but I do because I don't want you to miss. So please, please, if you want to uh, catch the next episode, do follow or subscribe, or, you know, add to your bookmarked queue, or whatever they call it, on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Yeah, and that's me done. Uh, it's a very hot day here. I, uh, I'm i doing this last little bit during my lunch hour, so I need to get back to work, and then I need to get back to my baby. So, have a wonderful time. Be excellent to each other. Enjoy the sunshine. And, um, yeah. Keep having loads of fun with the hobby. Until the next episode of My Life in Miniatures, I've been John, we've been talking to Andy Wardle today, and wish you all the very, very best and just be excellent to each other.